Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry skies, see your hand in time, in mind to lead me through the night. I draw your attention to Acts chapter 6, beginning at verse number 1. I want to read some scriptures to you, and then I'm going to talk for a little bit before we pray today. Acts chapter 6, in verse number 1, the Word of the Lord says this, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom, we will give them this responsibility. Then we, apostles, can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. In verse 5, everyone liked this idea. My, it must have been a move of God. And they chose the following, Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. I, I do not have a sermon today. I try to be prayerful and studious every time I approach this pulpit. And still the Lord has been working me over this week in a unique fashion. The Lord and I have had some conversations and I've not always been gentle in my verbiage to him I've posed questions and thoughts and considerations and concerns I've asked the Lord to reveal to me some things today I make a declaration today I share a faith proclamation. If you are open to what the word would provoke in your mind and spirit today, would you, if you're comfortable, just slip a hand up to the air right now and say, Lord, I, I want to hear and receive what you would speak to me. Would you just pray that way right now, Lord Jesus? We believe in the power and the truth of your holy word. that your kingdom is meant to be eternal and have no end. 
We believe by your word, Lord, that your kingdom is designed to expand in its influence, Lord, and in number and multiply. Lord, we place ourselves here today to hear from you, to allow, Lord, your spirit and your word to work through, Lord, a simple human being that words would penetrate our mind and our spirit, oh God, and that we would receive. Oh Lord, that as ordinary vessels, your creation, that somehow we could embrace and wrap our understanding around what you would do and how you would work. That in our frailty and in our imperfection, Lord, yet somehow we could grasp. We invite today, O oh Lord, a divine moment. Do things, Lord, beyond our understanding and beyond our explanation. sitting near you, would you just put a hand over on their shoulder or maybe take them by the hand, whatever's comfortable with you, and would you just begin to pray over them right now that they too would be moved and impacted. We just pray for somebody else to be impacted by the power of God's word and his spirit today. Would you pray for somebody? I'm going to speak faith into somebody right now. Ask the Lord to do something supernatural in their lives today. Ask the Lord to do something beyond the ordinary and beyond the regular today. Ask the Lord to minister in a very special way in this place today. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. This uh, statement will not come as a profound revelation to you today. But um, I'm just going to confess it. I am not a surfer. It's true. I was not raised, or I rather was raised in the Midwest. And trust me, Lake Erie is not a surfing hotbed. Now, having lived here for about a decade, I've often been intrigued by surfers, particularly because our waters here are typically cold. It just never crossed my mind that surfing would be practiced here. I've been so uninformed about surfing. I I thought surfing was about warm climates like Hawaii and Southern Cal. But really, of course, surfing is about the waves. During times I've watched surfers off of Whidbey Island or sometimes the Oregon coast, I've been intrigued by when a surfer paddles into a wave for their next ride. Anybody ever watched that? Ever wondered what's going on there? Is it random? Is it what, what, What's going on? After a, 
a quick internet search and I'm wondering what are they looking for? What are the signs of a solid wave? It turns out that there are signs. There are things that surfers are looking for. In fact, I found a 13-lesson video course that you could pay for to learn what surfers are looking for. I did not make that investment. Like most internet searchers, I thought, you got to be able to get this information for free. I discovered some signs of surfers. One of them was, before you get into the water, watch the other surfers. Take a look at where they are in the water along the shoreline. What are they doing? How are they positioning themselves? Watch other surfers before you even get in the water. I've also learned you should watch the shadows on the face of the wave. Then they pose, is the wave a left break or a right break or is it an A-frame? Then it's proposed, you just ride the waves that have a shoulder. Now apparently there are six or seven different parts of a wave that have labels to them. I got to reading all that and I said, man, I thought folks were just out there trying to have fun. You know, I didn't realize there's a a science and a practice and all kind of things. To the untrained like myself, we not, may not realize it, but there are certain signs to the next wave. A couple of weeks ago, I, I preached a message from Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. And in that message, I noted some elements of the early church that signaled the growth of the church. During a time of peace, Scripture records the church was strengthened by living in the regard and honor and awe of the Lord. The church was strengthened by the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. And I recognize those signs that strengthened and then led to the church being multiplied. The church grew in numbers. You might recall that Luke, the disciple Luke, wrote the book of Acts. And those two sentences that were recorded in Acts 9 and 31, they create one of many summary statements that Luke included in his writing, the gospel that he penned. There are other summaries located in Acts 2 and Acts 6 where we just read. Acts 12, Acts 16, Acts 19. You don't have to turn there over the next several weeks. You'll become familiar. <laughs> I've become enamored with these summary statements. I've been praying over those. I've been meditating on those verses. Jesus, what would you say to me from these verses? Oh, Lord of glory, what are you speaking to the church, to living faith through these passages? What do these verses tell us about your growing church? 
As your church grows in new ways, what signs do these verses reveal to us? The questions that fuel this message and coming messages in this series, when it, when it comes to the church's foreordained growth, the destined multiplication of the kingdom, what are the signs of the next wave? In chapter 6 and verse 1, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Uh, until now in the book of Acts, the first five chapters, there is a, a sense of unity among the believers that you and I today might even find a, a bit unusual and hard to understand, remarkable if you will. The Bible says in chapter 2 that the believers were together and had everything in common. In Acts 4 it says they were one in heart and mind and and shared everything they had. Their, their numbers had grown from the very first chapter in the second verse of 11 of them. Later in that chapter, there were 120 of them. In chapter 2, there were 3,000 of them. And in chapter 4, there were more of 5,000 of them. And yet, not everybody was happy with the growth. Even while it's happening, the Bible says there were rumblings of discontent. The sign of the next wave of the church's multiplication is this. Growth stresses the existing operations. Growth stresses the existing operations. Need eclipses the capacity. Within Judaism, there were those who had a, a Grecian background, and they were distinct from those with a singular Hebraic background. The, the first and most obvious distinction is language. Some of them's primary language is Greek. Some of them, their primary language is Hebrew. In addition, those who primarily spoke Greek is very likely that they were part of what was called the Disipora. Meaning the Jewish people that lived all around in the Roman world rather than living in Jerusalem and in that area of Palestine. So those who were Jews who were from all around the surrounding area in the Roman Empire, they were predominantly speaking Greek and they were raised in a different culture. They were raised under different habits and, and different workloads. They were a different understanding, different culture of people. Where those who were raised in Palestine, particularly in Jerusalem, they spoke Hebrew and they had a different set of cultures and values and a, a different set of perspectives and a way of viewing life. A part of the Hebrew tradition in the church at that time was if there was a widow, no family support, no sons and daughters, no siblings, no aunts, no family support. 
If that was the case, then the church would take care of them. And by this time, they were doing it like this. Every day, there were people from the church who would go through neighborhoods and find different houses of believers and gather up a collection. And they would take those foodstuffs as groceries, if you will, and deliver them to the needy widows who had no other means of support. Well, the Greek-speaking widows, according to the Greek-speaking Jews, were being shortchanged. Rather than getting the best of the groceries, they were getting little or none at all. Legitimate needs were left unmet. Now, not extracurricular wants, but definite needs. The church had outgrown its system. So a new structure was needed. And that growth called for change. Old ways only worked to a point. New ways were needed. Cultures deserved proper consideration. Rather than abandon growth or separate the church according to cultures, the apostles addressed the issue. Rumblings would not rule the church. What would they do instead? Verse number 2 records this. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. And they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. Verse 4, then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Here's <coughs> another sign of the next wave. Growth causes leaders to evaluate priorities. Growth causes leaders to evaluate priorities. The apostles realized their personal limitations. The needs of the church outweighed their individual resources. The leaders only had so much time and so much talent to serve the church. And so moving forward, they needed to evaluate their highest calling and purpose. And it's as if they summarized, if I can't do everything, then, then we must do the important things, the most important things. And they realized it was this, spend our time teaching the word of God and praying. Of all their demands and responsibilities, these were what was foremost in their evaluation. Simply put, they realized there are, there are aspects of ministry that didn't require the apostles. Aspects of ministry that could be accomplished successfully by others. And that's a truth that every servant of God has to come to. Everyone who would serve, everyone who would minister has got to get to the realization no one person can do everything. And if a minister or a servant doesn't accept the truth, then the outcomes are troubling. First of all, the, the church cannot grow. It's stifled. It can't go past the abilities of just one person. Some congregational aspects are going to struggle or not happen at all. For instance, some widows weren't being properly served. There'll be rumblings of discontent that continue to flare up because they're not operating the way that should be operating. And others won't learn the ways of ministry and service. And furthermore, those who do serve will burn out. 
So instead of that, the apostles recognize there are talented and spiritual others that can run this food program for widows indeed. Of the, the many lessons this role of pastor has taught me, perhaps one of the toughest is to accept my limitations. I've said it before, and I'm still convinced, without question, this is the most humbling job I've ever had. The role has made it clear to me that I have intellectual limitations, problems that I'm just not smart enough or experienced enough to solve, problems beyond my authority to solve more problems than I have the capacity to solve. I've got physical limitations. One of them is that I need to sleep. <laughs> that I have the same amount of time every day that every other human has. That I nor any individual can work enough hours to accomplish what God wants to I've realized my emotional limitations. In some responses, I'm just too emotional, perhaps overreacting. In others, I'm not emotional enough. I'm not communicating concern and empathy. And candidly, sometimes my emotional reserves just flat run dry. I've got spiritual limitations. I can never do for any one person, what that person must do for themselves. I can never do for this congregation what this congregation must do for itself. And I'm sure my limitations extend beyond these handful of examples. What do you do? In time, I've resolved to do those things that only a pastor can do. The apostles' plan rings true to me. Prayer and God's word. I must pursue the Lord's direction for this congregation and its impact on this area. Limitations keep me from other things, but these things have got to remain foremost in my service. I must follow the apostles' sign. Growth causes leaders to evaluate priorities. And I, I welcome your prayers as I continually pursue his design. Look at verse number three. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom, we will give them this responsibility. The leaders recognized the issue. They evaluated it in the light of God and his kingdom, and then they declared the resolution, selecting qualified people. And look at verse number 6. These seven were presented to the apostles. It even looks like the people, the believers, were involved in finding those who would serve. And the apostles then prayed for them, and laid their hands on them. What does that mean? It means 
they were given not just responsibility, but also spiritual authority. It wasn't just people doing tasks and completing some work, but anointed to fulfill kingdom ministry. Which leads us to sign of the next wave. Growth requires shared ministry. The sign of the next wave. Growth requires shared ministry. I love verse number 5. I made a, a little remark reading it at first. Everyone liked this idea. <laughs> they chose the following. Stephen, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas. You know what? All seven of those names are Greek names. It suggests that all seven who were selected were the Greek-speaking Jews. So members of the offended minority. The apostles selected people, the believers selected people who understood the current challenge and the right way to solve the issue. The apostles integrated cultures. They shared leadership and responsibility and spiritual authority. And everyone was happy. Why? Because the need was met regardless of who fulfilled it. Many should be involved in the workings of the assembly. And I'm thrilled that in this congregation, this sign of the new wave is evident. That there are those who carry the burden of the work of the gospel. There are those who accomplish things that are beyond my reserves and resources. Jackie runs the children's ministry with a great group of volunteers. Drew oversees the youth and the AVL. He works with Ben and Kaylee on the music. And Evan and Brittany have an oversight of guest services. Mark is a treasurer. Mark, Don, Evan, Drew, and Noah serve on the church board. Mike, Tom, Kathy, and Mark building and grounds. Brad oversees the faith groups. Christian and Alicia help us and provoke social media. Chelsea handles administrative things. Noah and Jackie reach over the daughter work in Monroe. Angie transports the Jackson House disciples to the house of God. And many others serve together with these. I, I want to reiterate and validate as pastor, I am thrilled for the Stevens and the Phillips and the Nicaners and the Timons and the Nicholases of our congregation. Why are you so happy with shared ministry, Pastor? Because of what follows. Verse number 7 is Luke's summary statement. Because the signs were seen and responded to. In verse 7 it says, So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Why are you excited? Because shared ministry singles and signals the next Way Because in the summary of verse 7, it loops back around to verse 1 and says, the believers rapidly multiplied. The, the word of God reached farther and farther because there were more involved in moving it ahead. 
In the original language, there are verbs of continuation, and, and these are the words that Luke uses. It indicates this. There was continuing growth. There was continuing increase. One commentator said believers were witnessing growth in the church almost moment by moment. The next growth wave continued bringing new disciples, and that's what excites this preacher. I declare by the word of God and the anointing of his power there is a new wave approaching this congregation I see over my shoulder a wave of swelling coming for the kingdom of God here, let me walk you through the progression. Back in 2019, there was a wave of revival and evangelism that built and crashed through this assembly such that in January of 2020, in one month's time, 11 people first received the gift of the Holy Spirit in one month's time. Even as COVID restrictions hindered our gathering, that 2020 wave brought Angie to us us and Angie was baptized in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and, and is ministering today bringing folks from Jackson House and the ongoing COVID troubles the Lord reminds us he still intends the church to grow sent Jen to our congregation and just recently, I believe the signaling of the next wave. I believe the sign of what is to come in our immediate future. Dale joined the band of believers in this congregation. I preach today, there is a new wave coming to this congregation. I preach today, there is a new wave coming to this congregation. There are signs of a multiplying church and those signs are being realized and reviewed and attended to in this congregation. There is another wave on the way for living faith. Stand all across this auditorium as you believe that, as you receive that. Would you raise your hands? Some are already clapping. Some are already celebrating. Would you just re receive that in the name of the Lord right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, allow the Lord to give you a vision right now. Allow the Lord to give you a vision of friends and family falling on their faces to a loving God. Allow a vision of those who you couldn't see in your own mind them serving God, but he sees them serving you. Come on, allow in your own minds a picture right now of parking being even more difficult, of seating being even more challenging, of having even more growth troubles because a wave of a spirit is rolling through this congregation. Come on, would you speak to the Lord right now in your own way? Lord, show me the next wave. Open my eyes to the next wave. Come on, that's powerful right now. 
Come on, young and old, new in Christ and long-serving. Lord, open my eyes to the next wave. We welcome, Lord, your continuing work. Lord, we're expecting this next wave. Lord Jesus, validate your word in me. Validate your word, Lord, in this congregation. you see wave help me look for it Lord let me see the signs not just notice it Lord but paddle my board out into that water get a part of that wave those who ride this next wave will be those who look for it those who expect it and those who paddle their way into it I don't want to be a random piece of driftwood caught up in some unexpected wave. I, I don't intend to be some seaweed stirred up on the bottom from some unsought-after wave. Rather, I want to be that child of God who is looking and expecting and readying and paddling out my little discipleship board so that I can ride what the Lord is doing, so that I can be engaged in how He is moving. So I'm not surprised, but I'm involved. I'm not overwhelmed, but I'm riding the power and the current of God's power and glory. saying preacher I'm saying we walk into the destiny of the church the church is not just about fixing my personal problems it's about expanding the church is not about just making me feel good when I have a good prayer meeting it's about expanding the destiny of the kingdom of God is not just for my own personal knowledge and growth, but it, that it's shared, that it is, it is discussed with others, that it is revealed that the word expands in a community like there are more here today who want to pray a little bit more about what's going on right now. Would you just step out of your pew? Would you come on, walk down an aisle, come up around a front. Maybe you want to kneel. Maybe you want to stand, but I believe there's folks that have been impacted by the Word and the Spirit. I believe there are those who, opening this little message, they said, you know what, Lord, I want to be available, and I feel it, and I hear it, and I, I want to receive it, and I want to live in it. Do you feel that way as the music plays? I want you to come and talk to the Lord for a little while. What does that mean for me, Lord? 
How, how does that mean in my life, Lord? What's that mean in my household? What's it mean in my circumstance? You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. Ghost, you give me peace.